All right, guys, how are we doing so far? Yeah. Let's give a hand for Miss Sally for cooking us an amazing dinner tonight. And thank you for all the helpers that make that happen. And keep your round of applause going for Harmony and Jeff. It's amazing to have such an amazing lead worship team that's able to let us be lost with each other, to totally praise God. And it's so thankful to have them in our lives and in our church. And of course, it's such a blessing to hear Mr. Urango talk. He's a, a true servant of God. It's amazing. It gets me all pumped up the one I preach, so I'm appreciative of that man. But more appreciative, I'm, I'm happy to see so many smiling and happy faces. And I'm happy because this is my family. I'm so excited to be up here and, and blessed to be able to share the word, which is just so exciting to have that chance. I mean, not many, many people get to, to share the gospel. I get a chance to share the most exciting news, the most good news that you can share. So it's such a blessing to be here. And as we reach that conclusion that we're all friends, and if you were here last week, now that we're friends, you guys can't sue me, because we learned that as believers and all friends, we can't take me outside and sue me, so I appreciate that. You can send the complaints to Jeff or Jeremy on their vacations. But uh, Randy did an amazing job last week talking about these problems that he has in his own life, and I had heard about him before, and just to have him hit home with what he's teaching about with Scripture, it's amazing how God works and he is talking about this problem that he was having with a neighbor and that neighbor is taking it to the outside world and the courts and getting them involved instead of trying to settle it as believers and what that did is see it takes it into the world's point of view and it takes it out of what God in the equation and and having a Christ-like mentality and he said it beautifully last week, all we want to do when we want to start suing people and taking it to court is trying to one-up one another, just getting revenge. And to me, that's not what Christ wants. He wants harmony. He wants peace. He wants us to be able to learn different things and not just automatically say, well, forget you. I'm going to start going in this direction and handling it on my own instead of letting God take care of it for us. We have to be more Christ-like. We're supposed to be the light of this world. We're supposed to be spreading the love. And we're going to finish up with these next couple verses about this legal mumbo-jumbo that we've been going through. And the last little part of it, I'm going to ask you guys to stand and open up your Bibles as we can dig in, we're going to go ahead and start from verse 8, but I'm going to touch on verse 7 so we can get the full context. So stand if you're able to stand, please. We stand so we can honor God. And open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 7. Because even to have such lawsuits with one another is defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Let's pray. 
Lord, I ask you to just take control of this message and, and make sense of what we're supposed to be going through tonight, Lord. Just make it your word. To take things and let you handle them and get us out of the equation. I know we run into so many problems when we start getting in the way of what you need to do, Lord. So I ask you to just come into this building tonight, just release our hearts and our minds, put our soul on fire for you, and let's just get an understanding and learn from what the past has given us, Lord. It's your powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. So as we kind of touch a little bit on in communion, the world is kind of mixed up right now. Not the best things are happening. We're in a lot of bad situations. Bad stuff's happening all over the place. But I'm going to tell you that I feel safe in church. I feel safe with my brothers and sisters in Christ because we have someone watching over us. We have a protector. But as we face these problems in life, if we get going and we have people from the outside world trying to squeeze back in, all these different problems trying to leak itself way into the church, we have to remember that's our time to stand together, to stand up, to start bringing the light to the outside world. Let's not let them in. Let's start letting ourselves all throughout and spread that gospel. That these lawsuits that they've been going about, they're just bringing wrongdoings. They're bringing bad things to the church that we don't need. We're supposed to be glorifying God. And I can't imagine Jesus walking around throwing out subpoenas, serving people, and bringing lawsuits. So he says, we've been, we've been given some rules here that we can try to show people. This is what we stand for. We don't need the courts. We have a system set in place, and this is what we're looking for. And we're going to start with, with verse 9, and it'll pop up on the screen in a second. But don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. I was so excited when I saw that Jeff and Jeremy left me this message to go ahead and talk about tonight. It's so much gumdrops and fairy tales. But as you can see, we're not going to be making any Hallmark cards based on what we're talking about tonight. But it's important for the church to go over these things. So we stay in line. The thing that we're going to be talking about tonight is sin. Not the most pleasant of subjects. But we have some of the best teachers teaching us about it. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and as Randy talked about last week, Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth. And he's taken a very fatherly tone to it. 
He's trying to take care of his flock. He's trying to show them the different ways that they can learn from these. Before they go too far deep, he's showing them there's still time to come back on the other side. The same can be for us in this current day and age as well. And I was saying, the world is changing all around us. The world was changing back when Paul wrote this in Corinth. There was stuff happening all around him. There's stuff happening all around us. The world may change, but the last time I checked, the Word of God does not change. This stays the same. This is our court. This is our legal system. This is everything we need. We have a chance to stay on track and learn from the past. And it's great to be reminded about these things. And before we get real deep in the muck and mire of sin, I want to do something a little bit different tonight. I want you to go around your tables, and I want you to pay a compliment to the person across from you. I want you to say something like, it's a great shirt you're wearing, you smell extra fresh today, those are really cool glasses, you ate that dinner really fast, I'm impressed. Just say something uplifting to the person. I'm just going to give you like 15 seconds. Just go ahead and say something. Be nice to each other right now. That's, a nice, that's enough of the nice stuff. We still have to remember we're talking about sin, so that was my way of icebreaking it before we start lowering down the gauntlet here. But I think it's important that we get these compliments paid to each other because it's important to know how special you really are. That how much God loves you and how much we love you. That you're not alone in this. That everyone here is for you and God is for you. You are made special. And as we are made special, we have to make sure that we are not letting these bad things creep into our lives. And if you happen to be on that list about the sexual sin or the worshiping idols, it's just said in Scripture that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And don't worry, I'm not going to start saying I need a show of hands to see how many are sexual sinners or anything. This is not about an embarrassment. But I want you to know that I would have been on that list. I am a sinner. And yet I'm able to stand up here and preach the gospel. How does one get from one to the other? Well, I'm able to learn about past things that I probably should have done, stopped it, and grown from it. That I'm able to side with God and say, I'm sorry, let's start this whole over again. And it says in verse 11, it says way better than I ever would have imagined, so that's why I let the professional speak to it. In verse 11, it says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy, 
You were made right with God by calling on the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There are two sides to it. You may have sinned in the past, but because of the unconditional love that God has for you, He gave us Jesus Christ. He died on our behalf. You have been made free. You get a redo. And thank God for that. Thank God that we're able to learn from some of those mistakes that I have left in the past. So yes, you have fallen into one of those categories that we listed, but as I was studying for this message, there was one word in that verse that was just jumping out the page at me. It was once. I was once like that. I am not currently like that. I left it in the past. I was once dealing with that. But we were cleansed. We were made right. You were made holy. You were something special. And the people of Corinth, they they took a hold of this message and they kind of started to turn it the way they wanted it to sound. And in verse 12, Paul writes and he starts showing them, well, don't start taking too much here. Don't keep going to the, the honey well. And in verse 12 it says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So now that we've been refreshed, we've been cleaned, now we can do anything, right? I thought the best way to do an analogy for this was to, to go back in what I know. And most of you know I'm a trained chef. And early on in my career, I was a nutrition chef. I worked with bodybuilders. I worked with athletes. I worked with health-minded people. So I understand what it takes to be healthy. I don't follow it all the time, obviously, but I understand what it takes. And I'm also a huge fan of the holidays. And we all know around the holidays they have so many cookies and cakes and pies and all this amazing stuff that you just want to dive into. I love fatty foods. It's no secret. And so what I like to do is every start of the year, after all that finishes, my wife and I, we start a cleanse. And we have a chance to replenish our bodies. We take all this good greeny stuff in that doesn't taste very good, flush everything out with water, and as that's going on, your body's feeling so much better. That's not being weighted down with all these things anymore. You just feel like a new person. And I use that as a catapult, like, oh, I just got completely cleansed. Everything's out of me. I, I feel so great, and now I can eat healthy for the whole year. This is going to be perfect. And as soon as I end, I happen to walk in the store, and I'm like, those donuts look so good. I miss those frappuccinos. All these things start looking great. And I, I just pick at a couple things. I'm like, well, I can have a donut because I ate healthy for so long. I'm good now. And then on top of that, like, I'll just grab the biggest frappuccino I can have with all kinds of whipped cream. And it's like, I guess I can't do anything I want because I'm falling back into the own temptations that I used to have. I was unhealthy, I was wiped clean, and then bam, back to square one. Just because Jesus came and died for us, 
doesn't mean that we get a free pass to do what we want in life. He does have your back, but He also wants what's best for you. And in verse 13, we continue on with our food theme. You say, food was made for the stomach, and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. If you've been following along, unfortunately this isn't a food sermon. The winning sin that we're going to be talking about tonight is sexual sin. Woohoo. But... <laughs> It's so important for us to learn and go about. And I love how Paul says it, that we have to remember that our bodies are made for the Lord. As I was talking about earlier, as you gave compliments, it's important to know how special, how unique, how perfect you truly are, because it says that our bodies are made for the Lord. And as we're taking in a little bit of sin here and there, we have to remember that no longer is it just my body. We're talking about God's body. The Lord truly cares and loves you, and He cares about our bodies. And it's tough that we we bring in these outside things that do damage us. It hurts our, our mind, our bodies, and soul. We're going to continue on with the, the sexual sin, sin theme in verse 15. So don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? I want you to look down right now. Your bodies are parts of Christ. That's how special you are. That's how holy you are. Now should a man take his body which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And I want to set a little picture of what we're actually dealing with. Like, why are we talking about prostitutes suddenly? Well, Paul's writing to that, the people in Corinth. And they had sin all around them. The world was coming into their town and trying to infiltrate what they had. And when they had the sex goddess, the love goddess Aphrodite, she had a temple constructed there. And she housed over 1,000 prostitutes. And what did they do there? They had sexual relations, but they used it as a form of a ritual. It was a way that they did worship. So they were getting this slap in the face of what they were originally stood for. Everything they were learning about in church is suddenly different from the outside world. And as I was reading that, it, it sucks, but it's the same with today, what we're faced with. All the temptations that we get slapped in our face. And I have a couple numbers that I'd like to throw up on the screen. There's Aphrodite. There are over 4,000 strip clubs in the United States. And they make over $3 billion in revenue a year. 
30% of web-based searches are on pornography. And if you don't know how much that truly is, that's more than Amazon, Twitter, and Instagram combined. There's $13 billion spent in the whole adult industry. You can go down the lines, all this different bad stuff. I mean, it's all around us. No matter what we have to face, it's not a, an easy thing to talk about or something that we totally want to deal with. But unfortunately, it is thrown at us and we have to understand it. I mean, the world that we're in today, did you know there's actually apps that you can have hidden stuff on? Like, it, it hides messages, it hides contacts. And there's even an app that has places and people that want to cheat on their spouse with each other. That you can just say you want a female, you type in the search, and they'll show you where she is. That sucks. That's being thrown at us. We have morals. We have high hopes. But there are times where we let our guard down. It's that one time that we let our guard down that these sin can start creeping in, that we can start chipping away at what we have. You can start to say, well, it can't be that bad. I just cheated a little bit. It doesn't work like that. Sin is sin. It's all the same. We have to remember to bring our standards. We have to remember to start shutting that out and showing the world how easy it can be for the believers in Christ, that we have someone behind us and they can have someone behind us. It's our job to go out and spread that gospel. But the sin keeps happening. And Paul paints the picture out even more in verse 16. I know we're going through a lot of scripture, but it's important to go through this. And like I said, Paul says it way better than I ever could. So don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. The scripture that they're talking about is from the book of Genesis. It's chapter 2, verse 24, and it explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. United as one, joined together. They are complete. They're attached to each other. In Greek, what united and joined, another word for that, is glued. So what he's saying is that a man went and he just glued himself to a prostitute. He glued himself to sin. And I just started to think about all these things that I have done in my past that you go and you grab whatever you can. You decide that you're, you're free, you're clear, you can do anything that you want to do because Jesus has your back. And we just hear that if you glue yourself, you glue all over your hand, and you're walking through life, and you're like, I can do anything I want to do. And you go and you pick up sin everywhere you go. This is the pay scale that I'm on for the church. If it was Jeremy and Jeff, they could have like a big gold sign. 
I get stuck with a paper sign. So this is where we're at tonight. <laughs> so we're glued to sin. So Jesus came, he shed his blood for you, and now we have a chance to go through life completely clear, yet everywhere we go, we slap down our hands on sin, thinking that it doesn't affect us, but actually, as we look, it's connected to me. Now I have sin going with me wherever I go. What he's saying in the scripture that they're connected to that prostitute, wherever he goes, that is following him around. Sexual sin is not something minor. For short-term pleasure, we lead to long-term disaster. For a few moments of pleasure, countless men and women are going to throw away their entire lives. And there's different consequences that we can face with that. There's different consequences that there's a sin that we can have. If we have sexual sin, if we cheat on our partner, we're losing that fellowship with God. You could end up in divorce. You could grab a disease. A pregnancy can come out of that. Estrangement from your, your family and your friends. You're going to be isolated. The psychological problems, the financial burdens that you're going to face. The damage to your reputation and countless others. All because we decided that the sin can't hurt us. The tone of this book has completely changed from the first part of Corinthians because we were learning about the church as a whole. And Paul is narrowing it down. Now it's individual things that you can start changing and doing with your life. We believe that as a, a community, if we happen to cheat, I'm not going to get caught. I'm pretty sneaky. Don't worry about it. That only happens on Jerry Springer. That only happens on Maury. It's only a TV fantasy. But it doesn't work like that. We are damaging not your own body, but you're damaging God's body by picking up sin everywhere you go. And I don't know about you, but I got sick of holding this sin everywhere I went in life. And in verse 17 is when it can all change. It says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The person that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I want to be with God. I want him on my side. I don't want to keep angering him. I don't want to keep disappointing him. So how can I go from having this sin to getting up here to preach? And it's that point where you start to rip off the glue, that bondage of what's been holding you back. And you start and you just get rid of all the things, the sin that you don't want anymore. You were once like that. That doesn't mean it has to stick with you. You get rid of the sin. And your hands are still sticky. You're still used to being glued to something. I think the best thing that you can be glued to is this. The best thing that we can bring into our lives is God because your body was made for God, that you're so holy, that you're worth something. That you really matter in this life. And God doesn't want you to fail. This isn't just scripture to call you out and say, this is what you're doing wrong. 
Maybe you could learn from it, but I'm going to leave you alone. No, he doesn't want you to fail, and he starts to give warnings. Paul writes about these things that it's an easy way to start getting away from this sin. If you want the sin lift off stage, if you want the sin out of your life, this is how you start to go away from it. And in verse 18, and 18 through 20, he's going to go through this whole way of saying, this is how you get away from it. So if you happen to be in this boat right now, if you were with me before, if you've done some of these sins, he's telling us, run from sexual sin. Just run from it. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, and like we've been saying all night, which is a sin against God's body. I'm not saying as you go get the mail and you see your ex across the street that you start running like you're in the Olympics. Or if you happen to be walking down and you see a strip club, I'm not saying book it as fast as you can the other way. I'm saying run and start using God as your shield. Start letting what you truly believe and what you want in your heart to come forward. That these people in Corinth, if they wanted that perfect holy body, if they wanted God in their lives, they'd pick up their sandals and walk three more miles around that temple so they wouldn't have to be near it. The same thing can be done for us. We have accountability partners. We have friends that want to lift us up. You have a God that wants you to succeed. You, want to, you have a God that wants the body that he gave us to remain pure and perfect. So when he lifts it up, it's just as how he left it for us. So ways of running. We've been talking about pornography. I mean, if you have friends that you truly trust, have them come over to your computer and put a safeguard with a password only they know. If you've kept in contact with your, your ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, ex-husband, whatever it is, and you still have messages or numbers on your phone from that person, erase it. Get rid of it. Leave it in the past. Unstick yourself. Start letting God take control of his body for you. The world doesn't have to change who we are. We don't have to let the world in and all this sin in and all this trouble in. And the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Your body is a temple. You mean something. You're worth more than gold, silver, pearls, the richest things. You are worth more. And you know that because Jesus died on your behalf for you. And we're going to close out tonight in our scripture with verse 19 through 20. It says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. 
For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. God bought you for the highest price possible. Your body is the temple. And I have a a fun picture that will probably go up talking about your body as a temple. You are something special. We are not our own. We have been purchased with a tremendous cost, and that blood has cleansed us from sin. And now we get this chance to glorify God, to let Him speak through our lives, to get rid of the sin, to stay away from all the world things, and just let God take control of our lives. And this sexual immorality thing is something that's tough, but the world deals with it, we deal with it, and we have to learn how to combat it. So you stop the sin right in its tracks, you repent of those sins, and you start letting God take control. You become 100% dependent on God, and He can help you do the rest. We are to glorify God. That means we show Him off, we make Him look good. We have the privilege of learning, living these clean lives in honor of God that's physically, emotionally, and in our relationships. God is there with your partner. You have a special bond. You are all glued together. And God can be glorified in the choices we make in expressing our sexuality. The Lord is honored when we resist those temptations that are thrown at us. And He's glorified when we express our sexuality in beautiful, appropriate ways. That's enough of the, the sexual talk with me. You guys get to hear more about that next week with the next poor pastor that has to go through it. But as Christians, we are meant to hate sin. It's meant to stop right where it is and show people that it can actually be done. You can be the example to say, I got rid of sin. If I can get rid of sin, I can get up here and preach to you guys, and you can do it too. And the town of Corinth can do the exact same thing as they were going through it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just how much you actually depend on God and what he's going to do in your life. When you start to realize and you look in that mirror that you don't see imperfections, that you don't see just a sinner and that's the end of it. You see something beautiful, you see something important that God perfectly made in his ways for you. And you have to remember, there's some important people in the Bible that went through this. And I'm going to close out in the book of Psalms. See, David had relations with Bathsheba. And in Psalm 32, I don't have it on the screen, I'm just going to, you guys can listen and kind of meditate on it for a moment. He says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body washed away, wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. 
Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All who obey him shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. We have joy that we have a God that has our back, that bought us for a price with Jesus, because you are all worth something. That a town in Corinth can go sticking themselves to prostitutes, but we have a chance to learn that the outside world doesn't have to control us, that we get to be our own people dependent on God, and we can glorify God with all these actions of remaining pure and holy. I know it's a tough thing to swallow, but as you look around you, you have your brothers and sisters with you that are going to help you out. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for giving these, these tough things to talk about. But at the same time, I, I thank you that we can actually learn from these past mistakes, that things don't always have to be carried along with it, Lord. I ask you to help release this bondage, release all this glue. Don't let us be stick to the sin. Let's stop together right now. If it's been following you around, it's time to just say, enough is enough. Leave it in the past. You were once like that, but now you are saved. Let Jesus come in your heart. Make him your Lord and Savior. Be dependent on him, and he can help you take care of the rest. Be with us as we go out in this world that at times it, will seem, it seems tough, that mountains are unsurpassable, but God, with you, anything is possible. We can conquer this world together and show the light that it truly needs, and that's through your love. We thank you for this time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.